Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Near. I'm Brett, and today we talk about what playing multiple Total War games simultaneously is like, playing Kerbal while watching the SpaceX Dragon capsule launch, and touch on a bit of history of EA and sports games. What's up, Walker? Well, it's got you picking up your sticks this week. Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, let's see. I have played a lot of uh, Total War, actually. Mm. Although I've actually played three separate versions of the game. <laughs> <laughs> like, totally separate releases. So even when I pick one title, still... Still not enough. Still can't just be one. Play all of the Halos simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing Halo 1 through 5. Oh, in order? No, at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know about 5, but Halo 4? Yeah. The story really takes a Oh, they, they nosedive. Everything. I mean, 2 is great, but everything kind of after 2. I mean, 3 was okay. Yeah, I think 3 was fine. In 4, they try to, like, humanize Cortana a lot right. more and, like, build a relationship it's like a romantic relationship between mm -hmm. her and chief which is strange uh they also introduced just like a new alien race that i don't know it's, right. all, it's all pretty it, it really jumps the shark in the whole promethean stuff mm, I, yes. yeah yes it's, all, it's like it becomes one punch man <laughs> right like oh are you strong enough to fight me mr master chief like i'm a new alien i've got god powers no no <laughs> You know, I actually, I got a One Punch Man t-shirt from a friend a few months ago, and I wore it one day, and then I think I hung it up in my closet because I wanted it to, like, because normally my t-shirts I just fold up and put in a drawer. Right. But I was like, well, I want this one to be special. Right. But that means that I just never actually look for it in my <laughs> it's closet. Not in the, it's not in the space where you go to get shirts. Right, right. Anyway, I know that's <laughs> all fascinating and related to me playing Total War, but... Um, so I started playing Total War Three Kingdoms, which is the latest Total War game that came out in spring of 2019. So probably almost about a year ago, exactly. Okay. Um, you have never played a Total War. You Well, you dabbled with one. I, I dabbled. I dabbled yeah. with Total War Warhammer, one of them. One, actually, yes. Okay. I don't I didn't um, know if it was one or two. Yep. Um, so the Total War games, just for anyone who hasn't seen them, are basically like civilization. Like it's that kind of overworld map where you're, there's different cities. Now it's not as, um, I don't, in depth isn't, I mean, I guess that's the right word. I don't know. Like you don't found new cities. The map is right. predetermined. Um, there's also not a random map gen, which I think, I don't know, like, I feel like kind of hurts the Total War series a bit because I think if you could have random maps, it just adds a lot more dynamic. Yeah, there's know, a lot of replayability to that. Yeah, whereas it's like in the in the Total War games, if you start, you know, as England, then you're you always fight the French, you know, right. or whatever, you know, because they're right there. Um but anyway, and then the the biggest difference, though, between it and the Civilization games, beyond just the differences in how the, the Empire building work, is that it's real-time combat. So the battles actually play out as opposed to just auto-resolving like they do in Civilization. You actually go down to the battlefield, and each unit 
like if you have a unit of spearmen, it's actually represented as a unit of like 60 individual soldiers that right. make a spear unit. Uh, and you can have armies of up to 20 units, and then you can bring in reinforcement armies that have another 20. So, I mean, you can have armies of literally thousands of troops. Right. Um, so really, I mean, really unique and cool to that series. Anyway, so so Total War Three Kingdoms is the last one based on the Romance of the Three Kingdoms series, which is actually a really famous like series of books in China. Right. But um, also is a series of, of strategy games that I played on console, actually, before civilization um anyway so yeah played that quite a bit uh on one evening and then the next evening a buddy of mine was playing total war warhammer right and he actually has been doing a lot of like looking up videos online and just reading different things about it for anyone watching the stream the guy that just walked by actually is what i'm talking about but <laughs> um anyway he and so he was he was discovering that we actually were were missing a lot of the the nuance of total war warhammer right um there's just a lot of stuff where like like maybe there's a dwarf unit and it says that he's grumpy on his unit card but that's all it says well if you actually mouse over grumpy it turns out that that gives plus 25 percent resistance to melee damage or whatever you know right so there were a lot of little details like that that we had just completely overlooked. And, and Total War Warhammer's been out since like 2016, I think. So it just means that you're using your unit suboptimally too, because well, that's exactly it. We've we've thought that the game was incredibly hard, and then came to realize like, I mean, it is hard, but it also might be that we just were completely. It's missing. a lot easier when you have the really resistant to melee damage guys up in the melee area. And right, right, right. So, um. But anyway, so in, in the Total War series, it also features you can just play online battles where there's no Empire campaign map. And it, you just basically you both get a pool of resources to spend and then whatever army you want to build out of those resources. So that way it kind of keeps it even, because if you right. just try and get OP units, you can only get five. Few of them. Of them. Yeah. Right. Kind of a supply um, mechanic. For... Exactly. Exactly. Um, so we played, we played that for most of the evening that evening, just head to head, uh, total war battles, which was a, a fun thing. It's, you know, coming from something like Starcraft, that's so much more one-to-one -one responsive because you're only controlling right. a single guy, you know, at a, at a time or maybe you control 30 Marines at once, but at any point you could split off any one of them if you mm -hmm. wanted. And in total war, a unit of 60 spearmen always functions as that unit, you know, right. So, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was quite a bit of fun. And then Total Warhammer two, which was the sequel to it was actually on sale. So we decided to pick that up because they did a really cool thing with the two Total War Warhammer games where they, uh, they made it so that if you own both and have, you have to have both installed, you can actually combine the games because they're two separate standalone titles, right? You could actually play what they call like a, mortal empires campaign i think but it combines both of the maps and and all of the races from the game so in, in warhammer one you get orcs dwarves elves well sorry orcs dwarves vampires empire okay and then in warhammer two you get skaven lizardmen dark elves high elves um and then both games have a few other races that are added as dlc later but anyway so if you play this 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 combined campaign, you can get all of those races in both maps 
because there's like the old world and the new world and that sort of thing. Right. All of it combined into one. And yet. So I I have a question about that because that's that's really awesome and really cool, but also seems really complicated, like from a game design perspective. So I guess just to kind of help me understand this, is it like so is is Total War Warhammer 2's graphics like better? Are they up? And if so, does that mean that all of the units from the prior game have been like redone or I would guess that it's the same engine. I don't know for sure, but I think they look pretty similar. Okay. Um, I haven't noticed in playing the two games because they, they only came out maybe a year apart. Okay. Right? Like 2016, and I think Warhammer 2 was 2017. Might have been 18 months. So like one kind of acts like a giant DLC pack for the other. Well, kind of, except that if you didn't, if you don't own one, you could buy two and play all of that camp, all of those campaigns and have access to all the races that are, are unique to two. And you would have the full experience of that. Right. Game. So I don't, it's not really fair to call them DLC because you don't need the first one to have the second one. For sure. For sure. I meant kind of the other way around that. If you have the second one, buying the first one is like buying. Oh, a big gotcha. DLC pack. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. To some extent. Um, however, it's Man, that's not a great way to sell your older games. <laughs> it's only if you play that certain, that specific campaign. Right. right. So if you just want to play like the normal dwarf campaign where it's not the whole combined map, you, you can only do that through the first game. If okay. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. 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 So, okay. um, yeah, I mean, to some extent, it, I mean, it, you know, definitely there's a, it's kind of like when blizzard decided to release Starcraft as three, three separate games you know when it's all starcraft 2 and it's you know all just just the different races campaigns which in Mm -hmm. brood war you had all the races campaigns as part of the standard campaign right um, but i would argue though that the starcraft 2 campaigns are a lot more um, oh yeah i I, i'm fine with them breaking it out and i'm fine with you know the total war breaking it out i think it's like i said i actually think it's a genius idea to be able to release stuff back to back like that but also releasing full experiences like this is not just five dlc campaign packs for total war warhammer one there's obviously like we've made changes to the game we've updated some stuff we've made it better so but it's it's reverse uh integration kind of like play an old playstation game on a new playstation or whatever you know right right yeah backwards compatibility there we go it's yeah. uh, backwards compatible software is that's pretty dope. Right. But it's 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 also just like, as you know, I'm not a huge Warhammer person, like only in the last few months have I gotten kind of excited about 40K mm-hmm. and Warhammer itself. I mean, I, I played this, these Total War games, and then I played, hey, less than 15 minutes, the Warhammer MMO <laughs> that came out in 2008. I forgot um, that happened. <laughs> I think a lot of people hope to forget that happened. Oh man, it was, I actually am just going to talk about that for a moment. It was so exciting because it was made by the same company that made Dark Age of Camelot, which anyone that's listening knows that is like my first MMO love. Um, So we were so excited because we were like, it's Dark Age 2, basically, but it's this Warhammer setting, which looks like it's cool. So it's got awesome lore and history and stuff to it. Right. And then... I hate how I hate that you're right about this with that before I even say it. EA bought that studio. Oh, what do you know? (laughs) Did they take something great and ruin it for profit? 
<laughs> no. Well, they didn't ruin it for profit. They ruined it, but they didn't make any profit. And then, that yeah, that's actually closer to what EA actually does. <laughs> a la CNC4. Correct. They ruined it and no one bought it. Right, and yet they right. still survived. Ah, yeah, whatever. Um, that's because of Madden, basically. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. It's just, and that's fine. And they probably make great Madden games. They whatever. Don't. Okay, fine. I do, but just stick to that. <laughs> just, just buy sports players. Stop buying good game design companies. Like, <laughs> buy the likenesses of whatever popular sports figure is out there right now. We're down like five different roads now, but I'm going down <laughs> it anyway. The Madden thing is ridiculous because in 2005, I think it was, 2K, um, which is a, another game studio or whatever publisher, they were made, they make NBA 2K, which mm-hmm. is the flagship NBA game. Right. EA had NBA Live, which prior to 2K was like the basketball game of the 90s, but it's actually fallen off completely now. Well, so what 2K did was they made they made their own NFL licensed football game in like 2005. That was like, you know, NFL 2K5 or whatever. Right. But they were like, we're making a better game than Madden. And to prove how serious we are, we're going to sell it for $30. Half the price of Madden or 25 back then. Cause I think games right, were whatever, but whatever half the price, because we think that if we can get people to just try it, they'll see that we really have made a superior product and going forward, it's not always going to be half off, but right. we want to get people in the door. EA's response to that was not to make a better Madden game. It was to go negotiate an exclusive licensing deal with the NFL <laughs> so that no other company can make an NFL licensed football game. Well, it's guess patent what? scalping. Right. So no one wants to play a football game where you play as the, you know, the Washington Chargers or something. That's not a real right. football team. You know what I mean? They people want to play the sports games. Fans want to play the real thing. Right. Them. Yeah. Um, or see those, the real players. Cause that's part of the fun of it is like, mm-hmm. this pretending like, Hey, I'm, I'm the ch- coach calling the shots and these players are so awesome. Right. Right. But anyway, so, so yeah, so he ruined Madden. So Madden then for the last 15 years, hasn't had to be good because it's the only NFL game on the block. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's unplayable, but right. It's, it it's not innovative at all and it's it's shocking <laughs> they're how many such problems. a horrible company they're so bad i still subscribe to ea access so <laughs> uh, you're supporting terrorism <laughs> you're supporting wow. video game terrorism <laughs> this is this is 600 dollars insulin <laughs> just gonna leave all that alone um <laughs> so <laughs> So anyway, so uh, so Warhammer Online was set to be this amazing game, and then EA bought it, and yeah, they they tried to chase WoW, and they tried to understand, they tried to copy what they thought made WoW successful, which they weren't wrong about. What makes WoW successful is its accessibility, but WoW is able to navigate that in whatever way Blizzard has figured out, where it's really accessible yet still fun (laughs) (laughs) right whereas warhammer went full accessible and was not very much fun i mean i honestly think that's what ea does with a lot of their games is try to hit the largest target audience possible while not delivering a fun thing 
Yeah. Because they did that with Command and Conquer too. I mean, they they made it really low supply with really flashy units. Everything mm. was really cool looking and high tech and supposed to be, you know, everybody likes the robot part of it. So your base is a robot now. Like, how is that not cool? <laughs> but it just, it had zero gameplay. What does it mean that your base is a robot now? Oh, your base literally walked around. <laughs> it was like all the bases are four-legged. Like, because the MCV and all of the other Command & Conquer games folds up into a truck or some kind of combat vehicle. And you can read some, in, like, multiplayer and stuff, you can redeploy it and pick it up and move it to build your next base with instead of having to build another base out there. Kind of like the Terran Command Center. You just lift it off and bring it somewhere else. Well, in CNC 4... There's now three MCVs for each race. There's like an offensive, a defensive, and a, I don't even remember, some maybe buildy one or something. Um, and each one would give you access to certain buildings and certain unit types, but you could only have one in a mission. You couldn't build another one. If I'm remembering correctly, it's been forever since I've played and I hate it. Um, but it would just be a giant four-legged robot. And like you almost and it had like gun turrets and all this other stuff. I'm pretty sure I remember blasting my way through the game. So I like got spiteful and played it only for the story on only one side. Um, and pretty sure that I just lifted it and walked my command center through every single level of which there were only like, I don't know, six. There's like not that many campaign missions. And yeah, it just I didn't really have to. I could build a few base game units and then just lift up and walk the thing through and it destroyed everything. And I was like, "Woo, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Sounds about right. Um, but yeah. So anyway, all of that was just to, uh, initiated with um, I'm not a huge Warhammer fan and neither is my buddy that's been playing it either. However, when he's been watching these online tournaments, because I didn't actually realize that it's played competitively right. just in the battle mode. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he was talking about how a lot of the people that are, are doing this also seem to be huge fans of the tabletop because they're really familiar with like just how the race is like, like dwarves don't really have magic, I guess. Right. And, and magic is a big part of the Warhammer total war games. Um, but we don't know that because we don't know dwarf lore or whatever. But he, but in the videos, people like they just understand how those principles work without having to even read the video game, right? You know, tutorial or, or whatever information because it's just you know the game tries to be because the true game is fairly him. true to yeah. And as long as the game is fairly true, then a lot of the stuff carries over. Right, right, right. So, uh, but yeah, I I mean I've loved the Total War series for. I mean, I think we discovered it in like 2002, probably. I mean, it's been out. They've been putting out games forever. And I don't know. There's just nothing else that offers that level of detail with armies fighting where you get to see that many people. Right. Uh, or that many soldiers or whatever. And in Warhammer, it's it's super cool because normally the games are all very historical based. Mm -hmm. So it's all pretty grounded. And yeah, I mean, in Warhammer, like you get guys riding on dragons and you get dragons and orcs and trolls and and the combat is, I mean, it's pretty. Um, I'm trying to think. Graphic, I guess, like violent, you know what I mean? Like you actually see dudes get <laughs> get cut up or, you know, see like when a, a unit gets charged the by like a, a cavalry unit or whatever. The guy who got hit will go flying across right, he gets the map. scattered and and war machines and catapults get you know crumble and destroy and 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so um, that's really probably the primary thing. I, I, I did play some WoW, uh, which was funny. You sent me a meme you found that was like, the meme was like, you're having fun when you get to level 120 or like leveling and getting there. And then you realize this giant checklist of things that you need to accomplish to get your character like caught up, basically. Right. Like, yeah, I'm max level. I'm going to go have fun. And then giant checklist of things. Right. Uh, and yeah, so you sent that to me. And I was like, yeah, I literally just completed that checklist like that day. Like, and then the, the end of the meme was like, just go level a new alt. Right. Because right, that's right. the more fun. Yeah. And yeah. You're like, that's <laughs> funny because I just did all of those today. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> Right. And have alts and have alts. But uh, but now to be clear, I didn't do all of those starting that day. They took me right. several weeks to complete um, and not of daily play. But but yeah, so um, I don't know. Been been having fun with with WoW to some extent still. Um, still haven't gone back to classic at all. Yeah. Uh, but what have you been what have you been playing this week? So I'm not sure if I talked. I, I don't even remember if last week I talked about how I got the the legendary dice in no i didn't okay so uh random dice pvp there have been two dice uh that i have not acquired and they are basically the two gatekeeping dice one of them was the best dice arguably for the pve co-op version and the other one is just the best dice in the game it's two legendary dice hadn't had it and i've been playing this for like months now um pretty regularly at least a few games a day um and and resetting the stores and all this stuff pretty much within i think a day or two uh got both of them kind of like back to back uh which means i had not been able to compete in the pvp version because i was mm -hmm. like seven points up into the rank 11 and if i lost you lose like 20 points for losing a round which would dump me back into rank 10 and each rank gives you better drops in the PVE content. So, uh, you know, as long as you sustain your rank, you get better drops. And I didn't want to lose the rank 11 drops. So I just stopped playing at all uh, in mm -hmm. the PVP and just doing the PVE stuff. But I've now been able to play PVP games now. I got both of the legendary dice back to back. I have all of the dice that are available, at least until they have an update coming in early June that's going to add two more, I think, legendaries to the game. And so I've been able to play. It, it's a, it's a totally different game. It's it's kind of frustrating because I knew that that dice was a linchpin, and it just is. Uh, it is very much so a hard gatekeeper, but there's not an easy. It's not like it's a pay to win because you can't just buy it. I don't think I've ever seen it for sale. Um, I actually don't think it is for sale. I think that it's the only dice out of the sales rotation that I might touched on last time, but. Um, it's it's wild how different the game is and of course since that time rank 10 has act and 11 there actually aren't many players that use that dice anymore because all of the players that i was facing that had it have moved up the ranks ah uh. and so now i am i am getting like five in a row excuse me five in a row wins uh and such and I and feeling bad for the players that I'm beating because it's just you can, I can play it. There's a, there's a dice called the assassin dice and it'll lower the count of your dice or delete it if it's only a one count dice when you merge it on your side. And it's generally considered one of the better ways to get up if you don't have the growth dice, which is the one that makes it just stupid easy for you to win. 
And it can be really harsh to go against an assassin deck because they could just keep your board at zero and you it's a tower defense game. If you have no towers, you lose. Um, and even against assassin decks, I don't care. I Because you can like, if you're really quick, it shows which dice is going to be targeted and then you have like one second or less before it gets hit. So mm. if you merge the dice into another one, that space gets hit, but there's nothing there. So you can keep the dice essentially. I don't even care. I don't merge anymore. I'm just like, no, nah, you can you could try as hard as you want, but I'm just going to so quickly outpace you that <laughs> you might as well and which was what I was doing when I was in rank 10 trying to level into 11. If I was up against a growth like a, a growth deck that had any of the meta dice in it at all, I just quit. Like if it was a growth deck, but it looked like a new player who got lucky and that may have been their first dice, but all their other choices were junk, I might be able to outplay them because there is a fair amount of strategy to what bosses you're up against. But now I'm just like, meh, nope, you don't have growth. You might as well surrender just right now. Uh, this is going to be five minutes that of me just destroying you. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's an interesting. It's an interesting thing that they've done because I mean, it, clearly, if it's the only dice that they don't sell. Right. And they know what it represents, mm -hmm. right? Like it's not like it's under the radar for the dev. Right. But it's strange that they would keep something that's that powerful around. Like, right. No, it is. And it's, I think it's balanced as well as it can be. You, I can still get hosed. Like just because I have the growth dice doesn't guarantee me a win. And I'm starting to fight other people that just have it as well. Um, there are still, it, it's, the most random one it's still that powerful but it is just the most random dice because what it does is every other dice starts at one pip and you merge it and it becomes a random dice of two pips well this dice starts at one pip and after like 12 or 15 seconds it's a pretty long time in a game that lasts minutes um it'll level up to a random dice of two pips uh, which is why it's just so one dice can become a seven star dice, which all the way up the tier. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the the effect of that is that it can also grow into a two star growth dice, right? So it just it can keep getting bigger. Whereas to get like a five star dice before, I don't know, rank fifteen or twenty or level 15 or 20 in a session is really difficult or you just ruin you just doing no dps um having one by round like three is just ridiculous um and paired with another dice that can become any dice you just get a board of all things that grow huge and then as long as it turns into a dps dice you win um mm. but there's a chance that because there's you know four other dice in your deck that it just grows into something useless. And so you have zero DPS. It doesn't matter if they're high pips, they're all pointless because um, there's nothing doing damage. So you, you right. can still, and the, the randomness also hurts really bad because two players playing against each other doesn't guarantee one player could get four growth dice turned into four pip dice that are all big and beefy. And the other person can have all their no growth dice or one growth dice turn into a two pip and stop there. And so you still could go up against somebody and then it's just, it really is random at that point. Right. Um, but there's, I mean, the strategy does still play in. I've, I've played against some decks that I can at least try new things now, right. um, you know, cause I could try different pairings. I paired what I thought was something that was fairly meta and had somebody else just trash me 
by care forcing me into a later game state than I knew how to handle. Mm. And they just had a totally different deck that I wasn't prepared for. So it was, it's, it's a new experience. Now the game has totally changed. Now that I have these two dice, I'm, I'm having a lot more fun with it and just being able to experiment with things and kind of not care because i'm almost like i think the bonuses stop at rank 12 and i would you get more rewards like boards and skins and stuff and whatever um but this is one of the few games where i don't really i don't care about battlefield skins i care about Mm. character skins so i don't really care about getting the battlefield skins and and so i can as long as i win two in a row or three in a row then i can play something that's just random to see how it works and i don't care if i lose that match you know so right. that's been, uh, you know, a, a new new life injected into a game that was getting really grindy because I was to the point where I'm like, I'm not getting either of these ever. I don't know if I just stopped playing. I had a, uh, a short stint into uh, Idle Game Land yet again because it, it just Ooh. always happens. But I've, I think maybe three, four days and then was able to delete like, no, I don't need this. Also because it wasn't, I thought it was the same game as an idol game that I'd played before, one of the Zen Idols. It wasn't. It was the one made by Congregate that stole that idea and then marketed it really heavily. Um, Congregate, like, it seems, do they have some tie into Flash games? They used to. They were the big, I mean, I guess they probably do still. Um, They were the big competitor to Newgrounds, except they monetized very early on. Uh, so you had to pay for the flash games. You could buy. Essentially, they did. They had, I don't know, invented, but probably pretty closely to the original mobile model of getting like congregate coins. So you could either access games the early, or get levels, or have more save states, or whatever. And every game could use congregate coins if they partnered with congregate. Um, I've only ever played Adventure Capitalist and Adventure Communist from them. Right. And which are both idle games that are soul stealing. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not to go too far into that. I played for a while and I just I finally realized one that it was the stolen version, which made me really mad, as we have discussed before. The original version actually doesn't really have any micro. It does have some microtransactions, but you don't need them. They're like all fluff. I don't know what aesthetics go into a game where you just pick literally the one color of the background, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and and the other game was actually just better. Um, it was just a way better game version of the same game. I think that if they combined both games together, because the Congregate one does do some cool stuff that I'm okay with, but yeah, anyway. It's a it's yeah. a worthless idle game. Don't don't play it. Thumbs yeah, down. I I also I don't think I shared it either. It was it was too shameful. But oh, I, also, I did do an idle game. I was it was a few weeks ago now, so I've been hiding it. I guess <laughs> actually, what happened was I did it and then just forgot entirely. Right. Thank God. Um, <laughs> well, I'm dredging these memories up. <laughs> but um, but anyway, yeah, I I played it for. I don't know, a couple of days. And then I was just like, man, I just don't care. Like, it's just not, you don't make a compelling choice and, and there's not a story. So it's right. not like, well, you're playing a, a novel. Well, it's an idol. At least you can watch the balls bounce around and drop through a maze, which is kind of cool. I also watch the marble races of which I have not re- watched the recent marble Olympics um, on YouTube, but 
if if what is that it's it's so like marble tracks where you like have like funnels and little trails and stuff and the marbles spin through them and go through the track right except it's stage like a hamster thing um kind of have you ever seen like the like the the oh dang it i'm forgetting the guy's name a rube goldberg machine oh like, yeah yeah kind of thing. except with okay. just marbles and they kind of fall through different things so that's a marble machine um this i think it's it maybe a group now i don't know i don't have enough information on the people that run the channel but there's a youtube channel um you could find it by searching for marble olympics where they took it's funny because they talk about this on the butterscotch shenanigans podcast too um they take basically different colored marbles but they'll build teams of them. So like all of the ones that have yellow tiger's eyes are now the Thunderbolts and there are four of them and they have names and they'll be like, like the ghosts from Pac-Man sort of thing. Like it'll be shocky, staticky, you know, they'll all match the lightning bolt theme and, and they'll make like 20 teams and then have these elaborate marble races and they're all themed like they'll have ones that are uh like ones that have a, a long jump so it rolls down a ramp and then it shoots into a little sand pit and they'll score them based on how far like how many centimeters they're getting into the sand pit and stuff but it has amazing filmography like really good direction really good video editing uh announcers in the background like calling the different players it sounds like it's an olympic event Hmm. They'll show static shots of the crowd, which is just a bunch of marbles on like a Lego background. But they'll have little signs attached to the marbles, like "Go Blazer," like "Shock, Shock and Awe" type. And it's just, and a lot of fan stuff gets brought in. So they'll have like different fans can submit signs or names or whatever, and they bring. But the editing on it is so good uh, that you, I've at least me. And other people have reported the same. Find, like, if you watch more than a couple of minutes. And they do, like, a whole animated opening ceremony where it's all stop-motion animation and they light the cup and everything. It's great. And you get, you start, like, rooting for a team. Just really? like Just like watching the regular Olympics if you're not watching for just your whatever, your nation or team or whatever. You start, like, I like these uh, blue blazers. I hope they... You know, go Donnie, Donnie, Donnie Blue. Yeah, you start like rooting for because they have different scoring things. There's like battling ones where they have to fight, and there's like spinning pieces that knock them together. There's water tracks where they like go down a ramp into a boat, and how far the boat goes, and if they get knocked out. There's like really good rules. There's games for diving, and it it's it is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but it is amazing. <laughs> So you're willing to participate in the sports fan experience as long as it's not with traditional sports. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 100%. I actually like the Olympics. I actually, I will catch okay. the Olympics. Um, but I, I am actually, the, I'm I, the only thing in the Olympics that I've ever really watched uh, is basketball. Which... Well, see, yeah, I actually like figure skating and gymnastics. I like uh, mm. slalom. A lot of the winter games, I like a lot of the winter games. Um, not as big into the summer games, but yeah. Yeah, see, I definitely, excuse me, just like the summer, just because that's where basketball is. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't care about track and field or any of that. Right, but. right. No, but so anyway, it has that effect of having watching marbles go through a marble maze. 
Um, but it's just an idle game. And I even did, I, I will even admit, I installed another game to try to get it to a certain level to get gems to spend in the one gig. Because they have like free ways to get gems by installing other. I did that and power level the game that I didn't care about just to get gems. I remember in, you telling me about that. In the idle game. And yep, nope. I, I, I deleted Oof. both of them. Was like, nope, we're done with both of these. Why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's an easy trap to fall into, though, because it's like it's it it's slightly more entertaining than watching like like one of those old school like winamp music visualizers right right like because there's some level of interactivity but actually what it's really similar to is slot machine like vert like the video slot machines at casinos mm -hmm. where it's like this kind of feels like some sort of facsimile of a video game right but it's not yep and i don't like it and actually similar to those they're both just designed to extract as much cash from you as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Huh. So All right, well, good. did, did that. Um, and then, uh, I'm, I'm really being tempted, but, oh, okay. So there, there is another one. I played about eight seconds of Terraria. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I think we should talk about our Terraria experience, which is in a rare, in a rare moment. We will not be, just lavishing it with praise. I mean, I still love it and I will oh, still yeah, praise yeah. it. But sure. yeah, it's true that as far as the, the 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 journey mode, not as much praise as I would have expected. Um so, so yeah, no, I mean right. Well, so so uh, please walk us through uh, I mean uh, the I full 8 second it. experience, all right. Um it was longer than 8 it, seconds. It was mostly mean, because there was loading times. Uh um, I just mean Explain journey mode and, and right. So, so Terraria journey mode is kind of their response to a creative mode, but it is not inherently a creative mode. To it's not like Minecraft creative mode where everything is unlocked and you get to move right from the gate. Um, there's two pieces to journey mode. There's journey mode that can be selected at character creation and journey mode that can be selected as the world. To be um, clear though, you have to align those. You can't take a non-journey character into a journey world or really? vice versa. Well, yeah. that kind of stinks because I was really hoping that you could take a journey character into a standard world just because of the bonuses that you get at the beginning. Because it'd be really nice to start a new Terraria playthrough, but have... It's not like you get a lot. You get a magic mirror, which is very beneficial. <laughs> and uh, a, a minor summoning item, which puts a cute little bird nest on your head and the bird that'll fly out of it and attack things. It deals a little bit of damage. Uh, and then all your basic tools, a couple of weapons, some rope, and some wood. So really, not OPing your character, which I was well, like, I would be... gear. Say what? It's, like, it's tier two of the gear. It's That's like the true. iron. It's it set. is tier two gear, and I think it all has stat bonuses. But mm -hmm. still, not an not an epic way to like. If I could start a new game, and I was actually thinking, I'm going to say like, if I could start a game and take my my create a journey character, but start a normal world or even a hard world. Like, I'd be fine with that because it's a good enough start to get you through that first eight seconds of the game that's really soul crushing. <laughs> when but you it, look at the guide and the empty landscape and you're like, gotta chop a tree. That's what you gotta do. <laughs> Step one. Yep. So, journey mode um, you start with all these items and you have a world. There is a power button, I guess, superpowers button underneath your inventory that you can click. It allows you to change the time of day, the weather, enable God mode, and it opens the research station. 
the research station is where creative mode starts, but you don't start with infinite of every item like in a Minecraft game. You have to research, quote unquote, a number of them first. So like you start with 100 wood and when you open up the research station, it, you hover over wood, it says collect 100 to unlock duplication. Well, you start with 100. So if you put them in the research station and click research, it deletes those 100, but then unlocks the ability for you to scroll over to wood and pick up a stack of 999. And so now you have infinite of that item and you can constantly do that. You have infinite of that block. So you have to kind of go into the world and fight things and collect things and do things, but then you can get infinite of those things as you do them. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, at first I thought was like, wow, oh, this is really cool. Um, until to get a hundred chairs, I had to research one chair. Well, I have infinite wood. So let me go make a chair and then let me open up the menu and drag and drop the chair, get it to destroy the chair. Now I can pull out chairs and then the same for tables and the same for doors and the same for back wall. And when I, I have a infinite wood, there's nothing stopping me from getting infinite of anything that has a wood as the only ingredient. Um, so that was really frustrating. I essentially, it took probably took longer for me to generate the character and the world than I spent in the world. Um, okay. Before I was just like, I built two walls and a floor and flattened out a little space and land. And, and that was it. I put doors in, but no ceiling and no back wall. And then I just, before the first night, I was done with the game. Yeah. Me and another guy we played for, it was, it was probably closer to like 20 minutes. Um, so we ran around and, and just looked for ore to try and get a hundred ore. Cause if you can get a hundred right. ore, you can infinitely produce that. Then you can make bars and the same process you just, just described. And yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting, um, it's an interesting design choice by them for sure, because clearly they're trying to make a creative mode, right? Because that's ultimately what it would turn into. Mm-hmm. And like, if you had a character that you unlocked all this stuff on and then created a new blank journey world, then it would basically be like you were loading into a standard creative mode, as long as that same character. Right. right? Who has unlocked the ability to duplicate anything. Yes. Right. Right. So, but it's, it's also not creative mode in the sense, like, like in Minecraft creative mode, any block is a single click to remove, replace, whatever. Terraria journey mode is not like that. You still have to pick and cut down and all of that. Like all of those mechanics are still intact. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think we had maybe talked about it a couple of weeks ago too, a little bit. And and what I eventually landed on, which kind of spawned a larger conversation that we had, which was like, what is it about games that I actually like? Like, is it right. the arbitrary checklist of stuff? Because I want to say no, right? Because that sounds mm-hmm. really really shallow (laughs) (laughs) but i really like mmos which are largely made up of checklists of stuff to accomplish and i'm curious if i will eventually go play through journey mode and enjoy the process of unlocking that stuff I don't know. I very well may. Yeah, I see. It's a, it's a shame that you've already crushed my dreams of bringing a journey mode character into like a, a master mode version of the game or whatever. Um, but even at that, uh, I kind of realized. So the last time that we that me and a buddy played through Terraria and got pretty far into hard mode uh, was we hit a point where we were getting like back to back like blood moon invasions and stuff. 
And I just remembered dealing with that is as an underpowered character, because his character was the warrior and mine was the builder. So I didn't really go get all the gear and anything. Um, so I hid in a bunker for the whole thing. And they still guys will like teleport. If it, when it's the event, they'll, you know, they've got like the werewolves and the things teleporting into your base and vampires mm -hmm. flying around and stuff. And I just I do not want to go through another goblin invasion I do not want to go through another Blood Moon. Like, I kind of want to go through and beat the bosses and play the game. I just don't want those things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, the last time I played, I stumbled into the uh, the spider armor set that you can make, which allows <clears throat> you to spawn set. like four or five spider mm -hmm. pets or whatever. And yeah, you don't have to control them at all. They just yeah, they destroy everything. Correct. And I guess in this patch, they really fleshed out the summoning line even more oh, like nice. there's more summoner gear like beginning with that bird nest that you were talking about but yeah actually once i found the summoning play style or armor set or whatever i was like i don't know if i can ever play this game a different way right because i don't actually have to click on all the guys anymore mm -hmm. which again like what does that statement even mean? Because that's it means you game. want an I want an idle game of Terraria where I can just <laughs> check in and the guy's already mined a hundred dirt, and then I can click on the duplicate and then tell him to go mine trees now or whatever. Yeah, I guess. I want Terraria yeah. idle. <laughs> Build me a cool house that looks great. Yay! Look at how awesome I am. I didn't right, do anything. Right. I just had to wait. In the end, it's not like it's a black mark on him. I mean, if if I if I never play Journey Mode again the rest of the game is unchanged. Right? I still like have the... over a thousand hours Terraria. So right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Who was it? Someone recently in my personal life didn't have a copy of Terraria and bought it. And I, I actually felt a pang of guilt for that. I hadn't like, already bought it for them. Like a four pack. Like here, right. here's a four pack, not just for you, but once you find out that this is what you want to do for the next year, instantly <laughs> give away three copies. <laughs> like... Right. right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I think Terraria is probably a thing that will always be gone back to. At yeah, some point I think or another. So I think it's like Minecraft for me. I think I'll always go mm -hmm. back to it at some point. Yeah, Um, for sure. So I've got I've got something that we've I don't know. if I know we've talked about it, but I think it was not on the podcast. Okay. So we'll, we'll we'll try. Yeah. Um, so. Command and Conquer. Tiberium Dawn, which I guess is the first one, yep. technically. That's the subtitle of it, mm -hmm. although no one ever called it that. Right. Uh, and Red Alert are being remastered and actually release on June 5th, which is the Friday before this episode will air. Ah. Um, It's releasing on Steam. Yeah. So it's not exclusively on Origin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if someone were to buy it on Steam, it's almost kind of like sticking it to EA because they have to give 30% to Valve, nah. right? So, Not as a major uh, developer, they don't. I think it's like 10%. Um, <laughs> they've hired, so two of the guys that used to work for Westwood work for a different studio now. They've been brought in to help do the remaster. And the dude who you interacted with on Twitter that writes the music and like tours mm -hmm. playing the music, which I had no idea was a thing, he's been brought in to redo yep. the tracks for it. Yep, Frank Kaplaki redid all the music. There you go. So, how excited are you to play the remastered versions of your favorite game series of all time? Well, it's I don't 
know if it's my favorite game series of all time. It's one of them. It's I was really them. just trying to set it up. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to not. Yeah, no, I'm not excited. Um, and and I actually don't really like CNC one and Red Alert one. Okay. Um, my jam is CNC two and three. Um, like two is where it really took off. I mean, I love the story of one. Um, but so is two after Red Alert? No. So the the storylines don't actually conjoin until. I don't mean storylines. I just mean actual literal oh, real world yes. release. The date. literal release date, I believe, is Command and Conquer Red Alert CNC two. Okay. I believe. But CNC two is not Tiberian Sun. That, yes, that is Tiberian Sun because it's Tiberian oh. Dawn, Tiberian Sun, and then. It, I never knew that. Yeah, and then it was. Um, the, the names of what it was supposed to be versus what it actually became uh, was supposed to be Tiberium Twilight and like Tiberium Dusk. Um, but it then became just like CNC3 and Kane's Wrath. Um, okay. Because that was around the time that they weren't totally bought out, but things were changing and meh. But right. CNC3 and Kane's Wrath is probably my favorite iteration of the game. But I really, CNC2 is where I really got in because I, I played a. a Command and Conquer and Red Alert, and even played some multiplayer with friends over dial-up, but not much. Um, but then when Command and Conquer 2 came out, I was a little bit older, as in, you know, teenage years, and a lot more able to to kind of get the game and be able to play at a higher level and not have to cheat. Um, yeah, so, but the other thing is, is that I've actually gone back and replayed Red Alert through OpenRA, which is the open source Red Alert engine. Uh, that has been something that's been worked on for quite a while. I know that they just recently released the source code for Command and Conquer and Red Alert, but there's almost no point in it because it's already been completely rebuilt from the ground up, um, and pretty accurately to the point where people have used the RA, the Open RA engine, to build virtual reality versions of Red Alert, which I'm hmm. not sure if we've talked about on here. But there's a there's a VR version of Red Alert which is really cool where the what you would normally see on your screen of the battle map is now a battle map in the middle of a command room that's like holographically displayed and your VR controllers hold basically the rest of the GUI. So the unit list and the building constructions are like on a tablet that you have and you have what is essentially a laser pointer where you laser point a building and then place it on the battle map and then tell it to build troops and they come out and then you can laser pointer the troops in the battle map that's in the center of the room and move them around and you've got instead of a mini map you just have a map on the wall in the vr space so you can look to the the right or the left see the mini map tell some units to go somewhere then look down at this kind of holographic projection of the actual battlefield and stuff it's really amazing way i haven't played it of course but uh seeing videos of it is like that's that's how you take an RTS and turn it into a VR game. Like that's at least certainly for a, um, the campaign kind of experience. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just... You're living, you're like playing as you welcome back commander. You could literally have aides run in the room and say, we've got an attack on this front. You look at the wall, it turns red. You look down at the battlefield. Like you could be really engaged in something like that. Right. I was immediately, as you were describing it, trying to apply it, trying to imagine starcraft being played that way but when i think of starcraft i think of multiplayer only oh, right right, right. I mean, obviously we just talked about the campaigns in starcraft so they <laughs> clearly they exist but 
Um, but yeah, StarCraft is much more head to head. I wonder how dramatically that would change. It would just, I mean, it would be a, it would be a completely different experience to play an RTS that mm-hmm. way. Like I, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think you could be as fast. Like, no, I don't think I don't you could, you could either. But I think yeah. the amount of immersion you could get from having a, yeah. having your second in command bust in the door, or like you're in a bunker and the whole room shakes because you're being bombed or something, right? And that's literally just your base on the battlefield map being attacked. Like, or somebody busting in. Like, when your base gets destroyed, bad guys run in and, like, kill you or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. or having somebody burst in with new information. And instead of having these breaks between missions, having this more seamless story experience, oh, that would be, that is the red alert that I would play. Like, okay. but... The VR red alert. <laughs> yeah. Um, but re-releasing CNC 1 and red alert 1, they're just... It's kind of like re-releasing Warcraft Remastered. They don't hold up. They're slow games. Um, yeah. And I, I was reading. Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say after replaying Open RA and not getting very far in that, and just being like, oh yeah, I remember all this. This is really nostalgic. I'd rather watch a YouTube video that I can skip through twenty minutes at a time. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, to be clear, I'm not buying it either. I just subscribe to Origin Access, and it'll be you know, free or right. included with that. So that's where I'll, I'll probably check it out. I will be interested to see if they remaster the installation experience. Cause that's a big part of the original command and conquer is when you go to install the game, it, I totally doubt it. I would be shocked. Oh, yeah, if no, I know. And so, so that to me is cutting out a giant portion of the game. Cause it intros you to the game. There's storyline in the installer. Right. Um, I will catch all of the remastered videos on YouTube. And uh, I will catch all of the remastered music on Google Play. So there we go. That's that's the experience that I want to have with the game anyway. Um. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was reading an article about it. They, they, in order to remaster it, they thought like, oh, well, maybe we can fix some of the like, because the pathfinding back then mm-hmm. in those days was really bad and, and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, well, maybe we can fix some of this. But it turns out that the campaigns are designed so tightly that like changing even just the smallest things was having really significant downstream effects that completely broke the game. Right. Basically. Even though the pathfinding was bad, the game was built around it and it was amazing for its time. Commander Conqueror solved so many pathfinding issues that games before had never been able to tackle. Um, but yeah, hmm. then once they solved those, they built the campaign around the game engine, not to, to, to make those seem less like issues and more like, it just works right right yeah i mean red alert will always hold a, a special place for me just because it was the first time i'd ever even learned that the rts genre existed and i didn't know it was called that of course but just just so shocked and it wasn't even on a wish list of mine i had no idea it existed my dad just got it for me for christmas at random and i was just floored by it i don't so. think command and conquer well no for one i know it's not my first rts um because we played warcraft and warcraft 2 but even like kind of a modern day rts i'm trying to remember if dark rain and dune came before cnc i don't think so i think dark rain was late 90s okay and i only say that because there used to be a place here in springfield our hometown called uh power games which was kind of like a, I guess, like a PC cafe that mm-hmm. they still have, like in Korea, 
but where you just go in and pay an hourly rate to have access to a PC and that's got an internet connection and a variety of games you can, right. you can choose. But it's just a way for you to, you know, by yourself or if you've got friends, go and have like a, a plan almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, you're not limited to just playing locally. You can also, again, go out right. online or whatever. Uh, but anyway, I remember going there in the late 90s and Dark Rain being a game that I played there. Okay. So, And it was pretty it was pretty new at that point yeah. because the way I met the people that I went with was <laughs> there actually used to be a store here in town where you could rent video game or excuse me pc games right which was which now is so strange to think about and i was i i was just looking at the the shelf and and walked by and looked at red alert even though i already owned it for some reason i yeah, to look nice at box art. box art they got good yeah. box art back in the day something you don't get yeah. anymore right um Velcro anyway front. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but anyway, and some guy saw me looking at it and was like, hey, do you play that? I have it. And then we started playing Red Alert together online and then eventually introduced to Dark Rain. Uh, that and because it wasn't it was Total Annihilation. That was the other. Ah, one. Yes, Total Annihilation. That's, I think, the precursor to Supreme Commander. Mm -hmm. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Um, I had one other thing I was going to bring up and now it has eluded me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got OK, so. I haven't started again yet because I know last week we talked about playing Kerbal to watching the docking of the International Space Station. Um, or was that last week? We didn't talk about it on the pod. You and I just talked okay. about it. Okay, so yeah, I, we recorded at an odd time last week. It's thrown me off as far as everything that we've... <laughs> anyway, I played Kerbal while watching the docking of the SpaceX capsule to the International Space Station, which was a crazy experience to have... Just literally, because I was watching the SpaceX live stream, had watched the launch the day before, went to bed, got you know woke up early to watch the dockings and and the actual transfer. But there's just a lot of time in between each of the things that happen, and I didn't really want to miss anything. So I you know had the SpaceX stream on my left monitor and Kerbal on my center monitor, and it was a pretty wild and fun experience to literally be trying to get Kerbals into orbit. And while I'm watching literal mission control talk about, you know, checking this item off the checklist, noting what items had been eaten and drank and where the trash is being stored, where they are in certain maneuvers and what docking seals and repressurization is taking space. It was just it was so wild to have a live mission control mm -hmm. while playing as a mission control. It was really it was a really I don't know. It was a really nice experience to, to be able to do that. Um, but then that was pretty quickly the end of my Kerbal. Like, I played through, like, that whole day, and, and it was a great experience, and then it was just kind of like, nah, okay, whatever. Yeah, but you probably got a thousand hours in Kerbal. Like, more, so. man. It's it, probably the game I have the most time in. But somehow stumbled on a YouTube video, because I don't even know that I've watched anything Kerbal-related just playing Kerbal, I think Google, you know, searched my, you know, active programs or whatever. Um, anyway, random Kerbal video of a dude playing some kind of interstellar campaign ends up. He's just got a, a, a similar to the style of setup that I did with my last Minecraft playthrough where I set everything very custom. He's just doing a hyper modded version that it happens that Kerbals don't evolve until 4 billion years later in the timeline of the Kerbal system. 
Okay. So the star is now like becoming a red giant. Uh, the main planet. They evolved space flight just in time to escape their main planet, and have then built a new space, but not good enough to go interstellar or anything. So they're building their space day or, or base. They've kind of colonized the Mars equivalent planet, and are trying to get back to space flight there, and have kind of just done it. The entire system, like I don't know who that made the mod if they've consulted actual astrophysicists or anything but like they're talking about well this planet smashed or this moon smashed into this moon which made a ring around this planet and defaced this planet and changed like the because of the sun is is becoming a lot hotter it has eaten the planet that's the shortest in all of the orbits are different um there's uh like different you know duna is half terraformed the mars equivalent is like halfway terraformed but it's also tidally locked to the sun now and all of the planets have these major changes different gravities some have the atmosphere stripped off some have atmospheres because they used to be icy and now all the ice is melted and so like just this one mod changes the entire system but then on top of that he's added this storyline of why that's all happened right and that they're trying to get away and they have to go interstellar like they're a young race essentially that escaped their first planet because it was about to get burned up and are on the second one but they only have a few hundred years because the sun is expanding very rapidly and is just doing this this playthrough that's a very story driven playthrough but also you could tell he's good at the game but he's not great at the game it's a beardy penguin for anybody that's interested uh, hmm. the beardy penguin on YouTube. So I had caught the episode that w- that was there was of his second set of this series because I guess the first set he did last year. So I picked up on the the like most recent episode. Didn't know what was going on. Didn't watch all of it. So Jump back to the first episode of I guess season two. That was still very overwhelming, and I'm just like, okay, I'm fine. I'm going to go back to the beginning, watch the first episode, see what this is about. And now I'm instantly just like, okay, well, maybe I should just get all of these mods and play through the Kerbal with them because this looks really fun. <laughs> right. It's like it adds like you don't get with some of the mods that he has, you don't get to see any of the planets that are around you until you upgrade an observatory and are able to put telescopes on nearby objects and track them long enough to see their orbits. And then it mm. unlocks the orbit of that planet on your map. And like it, it encourages you building satellites and putting telescopes in space to align them to other objects and then study them. And you have to let them run in the background for a while. Um, mm. But it, to, to just how much depth is in there. Of course, he's also playing on all ultra hard settings, which I wouldn't. But he is playing on career, which I might. Um because there are some mods that you can add better contracts and stuff with that make it a little bit better to do that stuff and adding in a material like a colonization mod that also adds in a bunch of materials and stuff. So if you mine resources and rare minerals from other planets, you could bring those back for money, which mm. then you don't have to do contracts for. You could literally mine asteroids, um, which I think is a great way to set that up. But yeah, I'm... I'm stuck in this spot where I'm like, mm, do I start a new hyper modded Kerbal game and give it up in four days or eight minutes? <laughs> or do I just watch this video series and get all the same 
probably more joy, except for the part of me that's like, I could have built that better, except I wouldn't have because he's he does mega constructions. and Right. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what the experience I had. I mean, it's not a YouTube video, but kind of that was the experience I had watching my other friend play through Terraria a month ago, right before Journey's End came out, which I think contributed to my uh, quick dropping of Terraria because it's like, even though I didn't play it a ton recently, I mean, I did play some, but I've just seen, I mean, now I haven't seen everything to offer because Journey's End just came right. out, which introduced a thousand new items or whatever. Um, but the majority of the experience is still... Right. Well, it's like I have to this day never beaten Star Wars KOTOR 2, despite the fact that KOTOR 1 was one of my favorite games, um, at least in my teenage years. Uh, because when KOTOR 2 came out, I lived with three other roommates and a bunch of friends that came through the house and basically just used our Xbox uh, and essentially watched every different decision that you could make for the first, like, 15 20 hours of the game not even just like the first few but like every type of character good light side dark side neutral you know wherever gunslinger all the different ways that you could play somebody in our house had played through a significant chunk of time on that character doing that and i've literally just seen every way that you can play through the first like good half of that game and then seen at least two or three endings i don't know how many there are but i've seen several endings of the game as well uh, and yeah, I just have never been able to bring myself to play because even though I've never experienced those moments with my hands on a yeah. controller, I have memorized the lines and the quips and there's no surprise. There's nothing new in that game for me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I had a buddy. I might have shared this before, but I had a buddy that played through a significant portion of KOTOR 2. And then while he was gone one day, another friend came over and was like, oh, you care if I start up a KOTOR game? And I was like, nah, I don't care. And then he definitely deleted the save of my other friend. By mistake. Right. I mean, it wasn't delicious. Nope. Nope. And he didn't know. He was just playing mm -hmm. and had just like overwritten, mm -hmm. right? And then stops or whatever. And then my other roommate showed up, came home later and was like, hey, I think I'm going to play now. And then... Oh, that is such a soul yeah. crusher. And I'm glad that that probably doesn't happen too often anymore. But right. that is a soul crushing. I remember doing that to my dad accidentally in Wing Commander. And then we ended up, he got super mad at me. And then literally like a week later, accidentally did it. Because our saves were just one after the other stair stacked, you know. Right. And so it was very easy to accidentally you're like click the wrong one. Because you want to have a second save game to try different things. And so he then overwrote mine and I was like, you did it on purpose to teach me a lesson. He's like, no, I swear I didn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> I learned it from you. I learned it by watching you. Yeah. And I've had that happen to other friends as well. Like game save overwrites for, especially again, a house of four people and one Xbox uh, that just happens. Uh, you either all play on the same save or somebody's save gets overwritten. So this is a weird I guess, quasi-endorsement of a game. Um, a few, and completely segueing here, not segueing because it's not a clean break at all. But anyway, um, a few weeks ago, you posted something just on your personal Facebook, like, hey, what's a few games that really, like the first five games that you remember that really meant something to you right. or something yeah. along those lines. So I responded, um, and one of the games that I listed was Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball which 
is weird because I wouldn't, I don't think of that as a game that's like held in some high regard. Right. But in your post, you were like, just try and think of five, the first five games that come to mind that had an impact on you and don't go look up lists of games from that era or something and try and come up with the cool list. Like just, what do you think of? So I did that and, and yeah, King Griffey Jr. was one of the games that popped into my head because when I was a kid and had three games on Super Nintendo that I owned and we weren't renting for a particular weekend, that's what I'm playing. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, I, one funny aside, actually, that I just remembered about King Griffey Jr. Baseball. It was the first game that I ever played where you could change character names. Ah, so the way character names worked was it was first name or first initial last name. Right. Um, and the games were, I don't know how the licensing worked. I think the games, I think the game was licensed by the MLB because it had all of the major league teams, but the players weren't their real names. Right. Like there was one guy who's, who's, uh, K Gruffy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now Griffey was, was licensed, right. right? He he's in there, but like there was another guy who was like, like whose nickname was like crime dog or something. And so then his name is like C dog. Right. So you know who it is, but it's not. Right. Yeah. Or, or something. Well, anyway, I took the opportunity to change all of the players last names on at least one of the teams to curse words. Cause I thought that, that was hilarious yeah. to see mf word or whatever be the 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 top scoring player of the round you know (laughs) yeah until one day i played with my dad (gasps) who who didn't understand or or hadn't looked into the fact that you could like customize players Mm -hmm. names and stuff he didn't this is just the most (laughs) graphic and and derogatory game ever released to him (laughs) i don't know because so what happened was we started playing one time and he just happens to pick the team that I've edited everything on. Right. <laughs> and I didn't even think about it. Like right. it didn't even register with me. So then we load up and he's like, what is that guy's name? And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that was, did you enter a cheat code dad? Like, yeah. This game Genion? Right. <laughs> and he was like, I can't believe that they released a game that has this kind of language in it. And I was like, I know it. I can't I either. I never play as that team though. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't like, I don't like them. So I've, I've never seen this. This is crazy. And again, I don't know if he knew that you could edit names, right. but I think he had to know that I did it. Right. <laughs> Somehow you did this. <laughs> right. It's kind of like this is I, you can decide after I tell the story. I mean, the, the people on stream will hear it, I guess. You can decide if we cut this part from the episode or not, because I don't know. I don't know. You might just have to beep out too much. Um, and it's not that good of a story to well, it might be actually to make this one explicit. Anyway, so when I was in sixth grade. You'll understand very quickly. When I was in sixth grade, a friend of mine and I rented a penthouse game from the, I think I remember local... this story. Okay. Yes. Um, so to, to, to quickly summarize it, um, we, we, we downloaded the game. It's basically just a game of nudie pics. Really. It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not what that scene has turned into on the internet right. in modern life. It, it, yeah. It's, it's basically stripping. And in JPEG. 
of like right. 120 by 120 resolution. <laughs> so, um, so we pl played it or whatever that, I don't know, looked at it that night and then uninstalled it and then took it back. And my mom was never the wiser, right? right. She didn't know that we had rented it. We hid it from her that, that we had played it or whatever, except that I failed to uninstall it. I did uninstall it, but I failed to delete it from the start menu and Windows 3.1 or 95, I guess it would have been, didn't automatically remove an application from the right. start menu when you uninstalled it, which I didn't think about. So I'm riding in the car with my mom a few days later and she's like, I saw your your little game that you had. And I was like, what game are you talking about? And then she you know, names it. And I was like, I don't know anything about that. And she was like, it's just on the start menu. Like, I, I couldn't find it. So I guess you removed it, but it's on the start menu, just so you know. And I was like, okay, I'm going to come clean, which wasn't true. I wasn't coming clean. Right. I was like, I'm going to come clean. We did rent it, but I had just started going to a Christian school at that point, which I'm not really religious and neither is my mom. And, um, and I was like, we did get the game and we installed it, but then... Uh, Jesus came into my heart and told me that I shouldn't. And so we uninstalled it without looking at it. And she just stares forward in silence for a few seconds. And she goes, I think we both know that there's not a way that I can really prove that that's not what happened. <laughs> but just so you know, I know that's not what happened. I was like, that's the story. That's the story. I'm sticking to it. So... I guess that was actually we both know you. I learned. Yes. <laughs> so I guess that was just a tactic I learned from the Ken Griffey Jr. baseball game. Um, just, 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 just wanton plausible deniability, yeah. whether it's plausible or not. Just implausible <laughs> deniability. <laughs> Should be a new band name for you. <laughs> all of this, all of this, did have a point. Beyond oh, we're coming back. We're landing the plane. Okay, because <laughs> I thought that that was that segue was a harsh turn. <laughs> sure was. So on PC now there is a game series which I think the third one just came out called Super Mega Baseball, um, which baseball games in the last you know 10, 15 years, whatever, have gone the way of all sports games where they're chasing photorealism and it's all real players, whatever the stuff we were talking about earlier. Well, Super Mega Baseball, not a licensed baseball game, and plays like old school Ken Griffey Jr. Ah. Um, which is just really all that means is just a lot more arcadey and a lot more forgiving. Right. And you don't have to actually think about baseball very much to, to play it and <laughs> think it's fun. Um, anyway, so I did pick that up the other day because it's been on my it's been something on my radar for for a few years now because the series is, you know, the, again, this is the third version of it. And everyone says that it's just amazing. Right. Um, I I will have to say, which I, I hope Valve doesn't listen because they might <laughs> go back on the refund. Um, it's actually a really great game. Like if you if anyone out there has played or or when I say Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, if that rings a bell, because in the 90s on Super NES, that was one of the more popular, right. you know, baseball or whatever. It's right up that alley. It's great. I would I would totally recommend it. I say that on the heels of I did refund it myself because it was like a 2 a.m. purchase and I played it for like an hour. And then the next day I woke up and I was like, it is fun, but do I really care? Like, am I really going to sit and play Super Mega Baseball? And the answer to that question I decided was no. 
Fair. Um, I did return a game, which is a rare yeah, return. That is me. very rare. It takes a lot. It, usually the game has to be zero fun and you had to have been lied to in the trailer. Yeah, no, none of that. Um, really great. So that's why it's a weird endorsement. Yeah, that kind is kind of odd. I actually do suggest it. And I did put in my Steam refund request that it, it was because it wasn't fun. Uh, but I've just wow. admitted that's not so true. again, plausible undeniability here. <laughs> Who said that? That was Brett's voice. Uh huh. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's kind of funny because I, I, I'll go back on. So I would be totally okay. Again, I will stand firmly on the ground of if they take the animation that they use in. It's not just the Super Bowl, but usually anytime there's Budweiser endorsements on a football game of the robot cyborg football players and make that into a video game where I can throw a football through another football robot player's chest and they explode in metal chunky bits all over the place. I will play that game. Now let me really blow your mind. What if your base could be a robot? <laughs> God dang it. No. <laughs> EA would that would be it. EA would sell it. They would they would partner they would partner and get all the rights to all of that. It would be an EA game and I wouldn't play it. <laughs> the funny thing is is that there's a games workshop game called Blood Bowl. Yes. That is essentially games workshop fantasy with a football element. But my problem with that is it's turn-based and I hate yeah. turn-based stuff. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Anymore, I don't really like it. I I enjoyed it, like kind of growing up. I played a bunch of turn-based RPGs and whatnot, um, and even some turn-based strategy style games. But yeah, anymore, I can't. I think 4X is largely kind of ground my turn-based stuff to a halt. I don't like turn-based anything for the most part anymore. So XCOM out, Civilization out. I mean, I've played Civ Five and it was fun. I've played XCOM, but as we both know, I cheated my way to the end on one and then started two with cheats. So, and didn't even I... beat two with cheats. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I know it's interesting. I've got a couple other friends that that play exclusively online multiplayer games and primarily PvP. Mm. So, like. Online multiplayer co-op, like Terraria, nah. still not really their cup. Like, need to be fighting someone else or something. Right. Um, it just made me think of that when you're like, I just don't like turn-based as a genre. Like, eh, that's interesting. Even and there's a people genre, that have a game mechanic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not just strategy, right? right? It's... I'm trying to think if I have anything installed right now. Because there's there are a few turn... That's not all turn-based things. Again, we've talked about the SteamWorld games series. I actually like quite a bit. Um, I guess card battling games I'm kind of okay yeah. with. Um, but I don't... There's pro There are some objections. I don't hate turn-based with some passion, but I generally am not a big fan of turn-based anymore. Yeah. Especially like turn-based strategy type stuff. Yeah. I don't know. In my head, I'd like to think I am. And I guess I have been playing Total War a lot recently, which has a, you know, is half at right. least. Right, half and half. Turn-based. Um... So I guess I do still like it. I was going to say, I mean, as much as I would like to tout XCOM, I, you know, I, I didn't use cheats. I also just didn't beat the game. Right. You know, I, and with two, I think with two, I've started, I don't know how many times and you get pretty quickly to a mission with like a giant 
alien ship that's like multi-staged. Mm-hmm. And I always just bail on that mission. I'm always like, I don't care enough. To, it's the bomb missions for me with... too. Like you have a certain oh, number yeah. of turns. Like nah, nah, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, anything else that you've played this week or that you wanted to touch on? I don't think so. I'm. I don't know what's going to happen with my Kerbal playthrough. Now that I've talked about it, it probably just won't happen at all. But um, <laughs> I know that's probably the inevitable end anyway. Is that I, I just don't play that much of it. Um, I'm not good enough at it to really be able to run a bunch of calculations in my head. And I'm probably just going to watch somebody else play through. But I want to. I want, and I've paid for the DLC that I have yet to use any of. Um, my heart's in the right place. I just can't bring myself to do it. So, sure. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But no, I think I think that's about it. That's all I've. I'm, I'm trying to think. I deleted everything else on my phone that I played this week. So, yeah, I think cool. that's that's most it for me. So that's all for our episode today. Follow us on Twitter to join the discussion, share your thoughts, or catch our stream times. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend and help us keep growing our audience you can also join us on discord and in our steam group all of the links will be available in the show notes if you want more of my insights on pretty much everything in life not related to gaming check out my other podcast the walk show which is available everywhere podcasts are found Know what I like most about my new phone from U.S. Cellular? Hmm, I don't know. That it was $700 off. What? Switch to U.S. Cellular and get $700 off the latest phones. U.S. Cellular. Choose fair. Promotional pricing requires an unlimited everyday or even better plan. New line, poured in, credit approval, qualified smartphone purchase, and comes via monthly bill credit on a 30-month retail installment contract. Taxes, fees, and additional restrictions apply. At U.S. Cellular, we believe in a new approach, one that puts you first. Stop into the Navigate Wireless location nearest you to learn more about our unlimited data plans. U.S. Cellular. Choose fair.